2: Welcome to Better Call Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 6, Axe and Grind. Uh, Alexis, what do you think about this title?
3: <laughs> it's awkward and I don't really like it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it, it is a little awkward. It's the only, of, only one of the and something and somethings that it's not. I, I don't really feel like is a thing. Yeah, axe to grind is a thing.
3: It is, yeah.
2: Um but there is an axe and there are a lot of coffee grounds
3: mm, in this episode. Mm, oh, maybe that's the reference they're making.
2: Could be. Okay, um I like and that. you know, definitely um Kim with the choices she's making I think has an axe to grind against Howard. But again, and, that's axe to grind, not and, and
3: wheels and wheels to grind against yeah. various medians of the mm-hmm. highway. Yes. <laughs>
2: Uh, Directed by Giancarlo Esposito, our very own Gus.
3: Yeah, he pronounced it differently in the Insider Podcast, and it's made me question my understanding of how that last name is pronounced.
2: Oh, his last name?
3: Yeah. Called called him Esposito Esposito? or something like that.
2: No, surely not.
3: Yeah. Wild. That's what threw me off.
2: I did a three-hour Better Call Saul stream last night with my friend Pete Peppers uh, and Gil from One Take. My friends. Uh and I did not have time to listen to the Breaking Bad Insider podcast, or mm. better, Call Saul Insider Podcast. So uh yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to pronounce <laughs> Giancarlo's last name.
3: I I still don't know. I still don't know. It's good listening to him though. A lot uh, to say.
2: I expected this to be the episode maybe where we'd see Walt and Jesse. I had that whole theory about, <laughs> you know, the episode before Better Call Saul. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the episode before Breaking Bad stuff comes back, but it didn't turn out that way.
3: No, they're definitely, they're holding out the explosive stuff, I suppose, for the next episode.
2: Oh, yeah, this is. But
3: we still, we still got plenty of, at least two what the fuck moments for me in this episode. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. Uh When, when there was something afoot and then not (laughs) Uh afoot and Kim making the choice that she does at the
1: end. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a big episode. This is a really big Kim episode and I like this a lot better than the previous two, I think, um, especially that cold open. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that more in here in a minute, but like that cold open says a lot about Kim and it's one of the few insights we really get into Kim. um, Yeah. In her
3: childhood. For sure.
2: Yeah, it lets me understand why she's making the decisions she's making. Um, it was really strong, and then at the end, you know, the having that cold open there really helps understand why she might pull this U-turn.
3: Yeah, she she has a complicated relationship with legality, with just her interpersonal relationships. She's yeah, her, a complicated her lady. mom, um,
2: and how that's influencing her, and. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff. Uh, I think you know, this is another setup episode, right? And the the a little bit, D-Day yeah. has not happened. We know a lot more about what D-Day probably is, mm-hmm. which we can talk about here in a minute with this judge. Uh, but definitely still a setup episode. I know a lot of people are getting impatient. Me too. Me too. I wanna see the I wanna see <laughs> D Day. I wanna see Howard taken down, even if whether he deserves it or not, but I think this is going to be a lot better on binge rewatches because like that's, that's the one thing I noticed doing my rewatch of Better Call Saul is everything just felt better when I was watching them back to back Mm -hmm. to back when I didn't feel like I I was waiting around for things to happen.
3: Right. Yeah. The, the slow burn is a lot slower when it's broken up by six days for sure. Yeah. Seven days. That's how long a week is.
2: And I, I think it's th- there's something different about this season too. I, I don't want to say, oh, well, you just you know got to have patience and everything. It's definitely different. I I think in past seasons they didn't really do this big lead up to a huge scam, right? What they mm-hmm. did is they'd give us a scam that was set up and resolved in a single episode, pretty right. much. I mean, there were yeah. some that spanned like maybe two episodes. Mm-hmm. This has spanned six episodes, so like. And seven, if you want to count the finale of last season. Right. Um, so I understand the impatience. I'm impatient too. Uh, I really can't wait to see next week. They got to give us something big, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it's a mid-season finale.
3: I, I've heard there's going to be there are going to be some good reveals and good good stuff.
2: Yeah. God, I hope so.
3: <laughs>
2: boy, if they can't pay this off, I think people will be even angrier you got, about it.
3: Come on, you got you got Lala literally asking questions. What more <laughs> what more could you want? hmm <laughs> I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I'll show myself out.
2: It's okay. You can stay. Uh
3: you ready to get into it?
2: Yeah, let's get into the recap.
3: Alright.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
3: As we mentioned before, the teaser for this episode is young Kim getting caught shoplifting. Shame on you. Her mom comes to bail her out and then gives Kim a jewelry set she herself stole.
2: It's not a pair of earrings sitting in in a glove compartment. And we start at the back wheel of the car and we scan up to the back bumper and then around the side And then to the door handle and then up through the open window and then down to the glove box that has tissues in it. I'm painting a picture a lot like the blue rose or not blue rose, but blue flower for nacho, where it would have taken four minutes to get to something (laughs) that's like kind of inexplicable.
3: You're, you're you're complaining again. That's what's yes, happening. That's exactly. You're reverse complaining.
2: I'm, re- I'm opposite <laughs> complaining because I think like that would be the temptation here. Sure, if you were going with other cold opening styles, but this is good. This is like
1: yeah.
3: This
2: has so much about Kim, and we and actually have Alan, a, too.
3: God, what a character!
2: Yeah, she's great. I I've really liked her, but she has been pretty inscrutable at times. Mm-hmm. Like, why is she making these choices? Yeah, especially when we see the flashback that we already saw of her in previous season. Right. Cause that would make it seem like she would just be even more against these, you know, loose people who go around doing uh, weird and bad things all the time. Mm-hmm. This one, I feel like puts a point on her relationship with her mother, influencing her way more than she even wants it to.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, Cause like her mom. So, So the setup for this whole scene is like, Kim steals something Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a pair of earrings which we'll talk about in a second but her mom comes in and acts like she's in trouble and then when the store clerk or manager lets her off the hook she's like oh good job Kim I didn't think you had it in you that's Mm -hmm. awesome uh, for stealing
3: yeah there the impression that this scene left on me there was a lot of stuff happening with the, uh, the young actor and my read on it was that A little bit, she wanted to be caught. Uh Uh-huh. And she wanted for justice to, like, actually happen. And I think she was actually kind of disappointed when her mom basically let her know that it was an act after they're by themselves. Totally. When she, like, jerks her hand out of Kim's hand.
2: It feels like a a call for attention. Yeah. um, And... Yeah. Call she, for
3: parenting, probably. Right. Please God, parent me. Stop trying to be my cool older sister.
2: How far can I push this person before they actually do the right thing? Right.
3: right? Yeah.
2: Um, and I don't know. I mean, when you have a, a parent like this, I think w- we actually have a therapist who wrote in um, mm. on this topic. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this last night on that stream a little bit. Like there's there's a couple ways that kids react to their parents. There's a lot of ways, but the ways that I'm seeing here that Kim's reacting to her parents is a little bit of rebellion, maybe Mm -hmm. um, in the fact that she's stealing things. She could just be acting out, but assuming she's not, um, she, she can, she can grow up with this parent who she views as like this terrible person. Right. Mm -hmm. And, that pushes her to be the Kim that we know at the beginning of the series, always buttoned up and right. on the straight and narrow and, you know, very successful and whatever. But then, like, there's there's something inside of her that also remembers, hey, this is my mother mm-hmm. and has, like, a nostalgia for that almost. Almost, and yeah. So when she, like, sees it's Jimmy familiar, and who right? he is, yeah, 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 she falls in with him because of the relationship she had with her mom and who her mom was.
3: It's like people who end up dating and marrying their parents.
2: It's yeah, exactly. Just like that, yeah. And and also, I think Kim, the Kim we knew at the beginning of the series might be more like her mother than we realize. Because um, that's the thing, too. Like, yeah, as you get older, you realize how much your parents did influence you, how mm-hmm. alike you are to them.
3: And you have no control over it. <laughs> right. It's terrible. Yeah. All,
2: all those traits <laughs> you have that came from them so obviously. And then... Yeah. You know, do you, how hard do you fight against those? Can you fight against those? Or are they just part of you? Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of see it was sort of always a part of her because she grew up with this mother who was like Jimmy. Yeah. So you could see why she'd be attracted to him. I'm starting to understand Kim a lot more. Definitely. And why she doubles down whenever Jimmy does something stupid or reckless yeah. or
1: right.
2: the, kind of betrays her and is an asshole sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think this cold open is very good. It does a lot of heavy lifting for the character. This is the kind of cold open I want to see more often. <laughs> unless ice cream cones with ants crawling across them.
3: With yodeling in the background, yeah.
2: Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's just doesn't, doesn't do anything for me like this sure. does. So what about those earrings?
3: What about those earrings? Those iconic spike earrings. Mm-hmm. I love them. She still wears them. That's gotta mean something. All right? the time. All the this time. This
2: entire series, mm-hmm. she's been wearing those earrings.
3: We've seen her fiddle with them several times. Right. Drawing Which, our attention to it.
2: It's another really compelling part of this is that like she thinks of those earrings. Like she she doesn't wear those earrings because she hates her mom, mm-hmm. right?
3: Probably. Yeah. <laughs> she or
2: wears them to remind her.
3: To remind her in some way of her mother. Whether whether that is negative or positive, we don't know. But they are a keepsake. Like I, they were mentioning this on the Insider Podcast too. I don't have earrings from seventh grade or whatever. No,
2: God, no. I don't know that I have anything from seventh grade.
3: I don't think I do either. Yeah. (laughs) So there's something there. there has gotta be something. Yeah. And and it's just nice once again to see the origin of another of these just very iconic props. Mm -hmm. Like the little black book later on.
2: Yeah, they've been doing a lot of those this they season. They have,
3: yeah, which you know, makes sense. This is their last chance to do so. True. So, yeah, they're going and to be peppering that in.
2: Really starting to connect the dots between yeah. this show and Breaking Bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: uh, I sorry. do have to wonder um, if this shoplifting thing is not also a slight callback to Marie
1: mm-hmm. from
2: Breaking Bad mm-hmm. stealing... I think it was a necklace for, for Skylar, for her baby shower, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. With sticky fingers.
2: And spoons oh, and, and sticky all sorts of Yeah,
3: just random garbage. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you ready to go on to the first official scene? Sure. All right. We are going to Howard, who's getting ready at home. We get to see the inside of his house for the first time. Mm-hmm. He makes some doomed latte art. <laughs> Has an awkward conversation with his wife and then meets with his P.I.
2: Yeah, he starts off actually, I don't know if you can call this a doghouse. It's a very fancy (laughs) doghouse, but in like the guest house.
3: Yeah, it's like an annex sort of situation. Uh,
2: Across the carport.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he has (laughs) to walk across the carport to make coffee.
2: Yeah. So clearly it's more on the rocks than we thought, this, this relationship. Yeah,
3: it seems less on the rocks and more on the... Floating into the ocean.
2: Yeah. It's on a melting <laughs> glacier, like a sad uh-huh. polar bear. It's
3: out to sea. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> and I love seeing Howard, you know, making this effort, put, yeah. putting all that effort in that coffee and sitting in front of her and uh, saying, that's for you. And expecting her to like pick it up and drink I and, and, and have a least. moment with him. Right. right. He, yeah. he just wants to be around her for a little bit. Yeah. And she dumps it in. It's a go mug. Leaves a huge mess on the counter and then (laughs) just leaves. A
3: little dribble, but it is kind of heartbreaking watching him wipe up that mess after Mm -hmm. she leaves. Yeah. Says so much in just like 10 seconds of screen time. Mm -hmm. It's beautifully efficient.
2: Um, And his wife, I noticed, is uh, an actor named Sandrine Holt, who you probably would recognize from. Mr. Robot or The Expanse or House of Cards or any of the other 15 shows she's been in (laughs) in the last five years Mm because she's really making the rounds. Uh, And I like her. I like her a lot.
3: Yeah. I I feel like she did a really good job walking that line of cold but still familiar. Mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed um,
2: about this scene is that Howard makes her coffee, but he's drinking tea.
3: He is drinking tea. I also noticed that. Not coffee. Does our man have a bit of a caffeine sensitivity? And two, oh God, <sighs> does he have a caffeine sensitivity?
2: Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, with what we hear from yeah. the vet here in a few scenes, that could be dangerous.
3: That could be potentially dangerous in the next episode. We we will see.
2: Yeah. it. it so if it is dangerous, I think we're still going to get treated to... You know whatever the plan on D Day was. I don't think it's going to be like, "Oops, it's so dangerous that we accidentally killed Howard." No, because like,
3: no, but it'll all just that build up, be man. it'll just be another little uh, wrench in the in the plan. Yeah, or some kind of some kind of ramp up to something else. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Uh, so after after all the the coffee awkwardness, he meets with his PI. And the big, the big photo that they care about is Jimmy making a huge withdrawal from the bank.
2: Yeah, it's like twenty grand. I think is what the Mm PI says.
3: And they both think it's super suspicious. And I, I think they're supposed to think that (laughs) it's, it's definitely part of the plan. Like they know, they have to know that Howard is following them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I because everybody this season was talking about how. You know, Howard Howard's gonna have to know, right? And mm-hmm. like Howard what is Howard gonna have up his sleeve to combat Jimmy? Right. And I think that means Kim and Jimmy would also know hey, he's gonna he's gonna be on to us. He's gonna realize that we're messing with him.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: let's do something that will play into that.
3: That messes with his watching us mess with him. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, use him use his own actions against him here. Um and it makes sense with you know the plot that I think we're going to get. I th- I think I have a really good idea.
3: I think I do too about what D is. Yeah. Um, maybe
2: we can talk about it when we get to the scene with the vet.
3: Okay. Yeah, we can hold out until then. Uh, is there anything else that we that we missed about this scene I don't that we think haven't talked so. about yet? All right.
2: No. I mean Howard just warns his wife, "Hey, if you see some weird stuff, yeah, I don't know right, what it is, right, right. but if it's weird." It's probably this thing I'm dealing with, and I will put an end to this, yeah. whatever it takes. I I just don't know. I don't <laughs> know if Howard's equipped to do that.
3: Eh, he's not. He's not shifty enough, probably, yeah. to deal with it the way that it ought to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure he could deal with it in some boring legal way. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Depends. Uh, I before we leave, I would like to also say that kitchen super pretty. Oh yeah. With all the light coming in?
2: The natural colours. The natural colours.
3: Yeah. The the um the water over the stove thing. The faucet over the stove. So you can just oh, fill yeah, your pasta yeah. water instead of having to carry a mm-hmm. big ass pot of water over to the stove. <laughs> Love it. Jealous. Yeah, him and Chuck. Him and Chuck. The,
2: well, Chuck had a nice house.
3: That's, yeah. <laughs> until he <laughs> All right, would all of ripped it. Everything he ripped out of everything out. Burned surely it. he didn't rip out the plumbing. No reason to rebound. No, no. But you can't exactly cook. Nope. A big old pot of pasta. That's fair. All right, let's do it. Let's go to the vet's office. Okay. Uh, where Kim and Jimmy are testing some caffeine drops on Jimmy. The guinea yeah. pig.
2: Uh his skin's itchy because of <laughs> it.
3: <laughs> sure.
2: There's a lot going on in this scene. There is. Um both you know, character-wise and also uh, plot-wise and connections to Breaking Bad
1: and mm, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff.
2: So plot-wise, um, they're here to get this chemical that they can. I guess it's a topical, right? Um, it looks so like it. it. Jimmy says, hey, my skin is where you put that stuff on me. Yeah. So we know probably how it's going to be delivered
1: uh, mm-hmm.
2: to Howard. I assume to Howard. I don't know. There's...
3: I'm assuming to Howard too, that seems to be where that who else would they need to make their eyes super dilated and make them twitchy? Like it's gotta be Howard, right? They've already framed him for Coke. (laughs)
2: Um, But that's like part one of the plan. Part two Mm -hmm. of the plan. I I think this is like a two stage, potentially three stage. Maybe there's a stage we don't even see yet. Mm
1: -hmm. But
2: the second stage of this, I think is to get the, Pictures of this judge Mm -hmm. that we'll see later in the episode, um, the fake judge, where he's delivering a bribe to this guy into Howard's hands somehow. And it's actually like a three-phase thing. And I don't know if um, this meeting with Sandpiper, the the, uh, mediation call, Mm -hmm. is going to be like a whole phase or if he's just like listening in to hear the plan go off because right. I talked about that when he was in the locker room at the gym at the country club
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and how like, you know, he kind of got trapped in there, but also I think like standing there while Howard pulled this bag of cocaine out of his locker was probably a bit of a thrill for him.
3: Yeah. Later in the episode, he mentions that he'll record the whole thing.
2: Yeah. So Kim for can, hear, so it so Kim can, the can hear it. So Kim can hear it Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, definitely
3: an element of that.
2: Yeah. So, so I think the plan is, you know, get him to think that, Jimmy is bribing the judge Mm -hmm. on the Sandpiper thing and call him out. Like Howard calls him out in the middle like, Judge, I have pictures of you taking a bribe on this. And Judge says,
3: what the hell are you talking (laughs) about? It makes Howard look completely unhinged. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then Cliff will see his eyes. He'll be all jittery. Mm -hmm. It'll it'll be pretty good. I just hope there's some really good dialogue in there.
3: Yeah. I bet there will be.
2: Uh, From a Connecting the Dots on Breaking Bad perspective, we got this little black book, Mm -hmm. which is encoded. Kind of symbols and whatever.
3: Wingdings, yep.
2: Yeah. Um, It's the same one we saw in the opening of the season, right? That montage of the FBI or whoever clearing out uh, Jimmy's house. Saul's
3: house, yeah. Mm -hmm. Saul Goodman's house. Uh,
2: And inside the book, which is a little Easter egg itself, you get the best vacuum uh, best quality vacuum card,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which we know is the card the number that you call for the disappearer.
3: Yep, that plus a whole lot of money equals new identity.
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm curious if the vacuum stuff will come into play at the end of this like season, at the end of the Better Call Saul timeline, mm-hmm. not the Gene stuff, not the Breaking Bad stuff. If maybe someone uses it between then and now I'm trying to remember when Saul used it for Jesse uh, or sorry for Walt was that Does that seem like the first time he used it or does that seem like he had used it before and he kind of knew that it would work
3: I would have to go back and watch that scene to yeah, tell you that too. for sure I'm i really looking forward to my rewatch by the way the one I mentioned in the last episode yeah yeah it's going to be fun <laughs> <It is. laughs> Yeah, I really like that Kim is there with him when he is seeing this card for the first time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there will be any broader implications for that.
2: That's what I'm wondering. In the
3: future, yeah.
2: Yeah. Like maybe she knows about it. Maybe, you know, that's what the call that we hear about in Breaking Bad is going to be about. Who knows?
3: There's a moment that Kim has in this scene. It's toward the end of the scene where jimmy is eyeballing that little black book like he so clearly wants to get his mitts on it because it's Mm -hmm. the keys to the kingdom as he says yeah while at the same time kim has her back to him and she is looking at the vet's gratitude wall right
2: yeah with all the pictures of the pets on it
3: yeah and she has she not received at least some letters of gratitude already for her pro bono stuff
2: um that sounds familiar i can't quite remember
3: yeah but that's it seems like she is thinking about that in the back of her mind as this other shady thing is happening behind her that was a nice contrast
2: i think him saying i think him saying no i (laughs) think kim thank you (laughs) i think him saying the vet saying like i'm getting out of this Mm -hmm. um because it's about the animals, you know, it's not about this other stuff that I'm doing. Right. Uh, I think that triggers Kim to to think about why she's doing the things that she's doing.
1: Yeah. And it's
2: it's pretty good setup in this episode because she's going to have to be, she's going to be put to a choice at the end of the episode and she doesn't choose the one that you might think she chooses after, she would choose after this scene.
1: Yeah.
2: Because, uh, yeah, she's looking at all those pictures thinking, She's not seeing the faces of pets. She's seeing the faces of all the <laughs> PD cases right? and all those people she could help. Exactly. Uh, so I, I understand why she identifies with it and why Jimmy thinks that's insane. You're just giving up a revenue stream. It's, mm-hmm. It practically runs itself. It's Yeah. So I, I don't know. That, that That was the character part of this scene that I really liked.
3: Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, next, we're with Kim again, making a very reasonable argument for her client in court, I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. Cliff shows up to ask her about her relationship with Howard and invite her to a very important luncheon.
2: Yeah. Um, Cliff drinking really gross coffee here.
3: <laughs> Ed Begley drinking really gross coffee and uh-huh. totally selling how gross it is. Yeah,
2: yeah he's great. Yes. Um, I don't know. I definitely thought that Kim's defense here was pretty strong.
3: I did too. It seems like bullshit. Seems a little bit mm-hmm. like bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he had some stuff, but that's not how the law works. Right. That's not how cops you are supposed to work. Can't just bust in
2: people's doors and say where are the drugs?
3: Exactly. Exactly. The the dangler, <laughs> the d- one they call it a dangler, which is <laughs> friggin' hilarious to me. What? <laughs> What would, what is the actual name for that thing? I
2: I don't actually know.
3: That's the problem. I was I so I heard that word. I thought to myself, no, but I couldn't come up with what do I what have I called it? In I mean, the past? Mostly,
2: this is an air freshener, right? I would call that an air freshener, okay. but like, sure. If she's including a larger larger subsection of like hanging dice and yeah, right hula girls and windows and all the <laughs> you know traditional bullshit you think of then probably I would call them something else. Danglers makes sense.
3: But it's just a very funny word yeah. to hear in a courtroom, I got to say, <laughs> especially out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. Danglers. Mm. But it is the same team as, obviously, the same team as the the cab from, was it the very last gene flashback episode
2: yes okay I, I believe the most so. recent one
3: that we saw in the last season uh um, yeah. the cabbie had that in his window and gene saw it and said oh shit somebody from where i'm from
2: yeah albuquerque isotopes
3: and he decided to take stuff into his own hands afterward
2: yep and we still haven't Ooh. seen the resolution we haven't i assume I'm we so won't excited. see that until the closer end. to the end of the show
3: maybe maybe the end
2: maybe Probably.
3: It'd be that'd be a cool end
1: cap.
3: Mm-hmm. I think I've already said that like six times, but it bears repeating. It'd be a cool end cap. So we follow Kim as she gets an eyeful of Jimmy's new office and she walks in on a suitably weird photo shoot in the back. Yeah. She really likes what Francesca's done with the place.
2: I do too. Looks classy. Yeah. It's pre- pretty good. Well, I will say Saul's office looks a little bit like the room from the end of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Mm, yeah. Like, just put a big four-post bed in there and <laughs> some Definitely. kind of, I don't know, alien thing.
3: Some kind of alien thing, for sure. An old man. Maybe some art on the walls. Desperately need some art on the walls. It will be a giant, con- I know, it'll be a giant constitution at some point. But right <laughs> now, it's just big gray walls. It's yeah. a little oppressive.
2: Yeah, I do wonder why exactly it changes. Like, I think you can see the seeds of it here because all of Francesca's uh, hard work is unappreciated. Let's say
3: unappreciated. Let's say. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I, I think she, you can see, boy, talk about ax and grind. They're they're really going to grind Francesca down to nub
3: into the dirt. Oh, this poor woman. She, she's such a light. She's such a sunflower early on mm-hmm. and i really love how our very last moment with her in this episode is completely new francesca yeah <laughs> every single every single second of it we'll we'll get to that scene but oh it's wonderful i love it
2: yep i love the setup for what's coming later here where she says oh i have a couple <laughs> of water features coming for serenity Oh, <laughs> uh, it will be anything but
3: water features <laughs>
2: And these mustaches that they're picking out. Oh, my out. God.
3: Yes, these the butterfly pinned to the wall mustaches. You got
2: Fu Manchus. What you about got... that
3: one that was like, it had literally been on a curling rod. It was like a spiral mm-hmm. on both sides. <laughs> what were you thinking? How is
2: that in any way close to this? Did you I...
3: buy all of these for this? Why did you buy such a variety? Yeah. I assume case- he
2: just told the makeup artist, hey, I need mustaches. Bring me... 25 different mustaches. Bring me
3: all the mustaches from your prop department. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And of course, Kim just immediately picks the right one because mm-hmm. she's Kim. She knows everything.
2: And she talks about D-Day here, which yes. sounds huge.
3: That, that's, yeah, D-Day. And the, there's an explosion sticky note under D-Day on the, mm-hmm. on the board later on with the... Nuclear symbol and everything.
2: I feel like they're trying to get Howard to go nuclear.
3: <laughs> I think so.
2: Yeah. Like they did with Chuck.
3: Yeah. I'm trying to make him show his ass. Mm-hmm. Except he's showing his fake ass. It's all. It's weird. <laughs> Chuck was showing. Chuck, Chuck was showing his real ass. Howard's yeah. going to be showing the ass that they want him to show.
2: Mm. The ass they made for him. The, yeah. Know.
3: There you go. Yep. The 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 ass that Jimmy built. <laughs> Kim and Jimmy
1: built.
2: <laughs> uh huh. oh the other thing i love about this is it this scene where oh it's the one where francesca's making the phone call is that Hmm. right now no that's later later on
1: okay
3: yeah we will come back to pretty soon pretty soon but not yet first we have to chop some firewood with one of ziegler's old guys oh yeah and lalo will come calling
2: yeah what'd you think about Lalo showing up in this episode.
3: I love anytime Lalo shows up. He's he's this he's become this like almost bigger than life, spooky specter figure just by dint of being gone for like two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the shot of him coming in through the woods where there's nothing, and then suddenly there's a shady figure. It just yeah. it feels so right and so creepy, mm-hmm. kind of scary a little bit. Even though this man has an axe.
2: Yeah, I mean he is like a, some kind of supernatural force at times. Like the, I just remember that scene in the travel wire or whatever it is mm-hmm. where he crawls up into the ceiling somehow. <laughs> I don't even know how he got in the ceiling. A at all, but B as fast as he did. Yeah. And then he just you know drops down.
3: He's nimble. Yeah, he nimble is crazy.
2: Ugh. And I'm actually kind of surprised that anybody could even get the drop on Lalo. Like, I know this guy knows his barn pretty well, his workshop. Mm-hmm. Impressive workshop, by the way. I love Very, that thing.
3: Yeah. Uh, probably pretty cold in the winter, but stocked. Yeah. Big and stocked. Like but
2: it. Yeah, he gets the drop on Lalo, which was surprising.
3: He does. Not that, that it's Lalo, so that doesn't mm-hmm. really matter for long. Yeah. Uh, And he loses his foot. He loses his goddamn foot for his efforts. Mm-hmm. I... Did not realize how serious that injury was until my second watch, and I saw there's literally a foot off.
2: Yes, it's pretty grisly. I'm, it, I yeah. don't know that we've seen anything quite like that in this show before,
3: other than Michael Mando shooting himself in the head. Sure,
2: yeah, but that there's something about this just like the foot sitting there at a completely impossible angle yeah. and two stumps showing, and just like. I don't know. Maybe I'm desensitized to headshots, <laughs> but like this foot thing—it's really squicked me
1: out.
3: It's oh, you got squicked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bless you. Yeah, it, it's squicky. Horrible. It's it's pretty gross. And the the parting shot from this scene is the silhouette of Lalo's legs with that axe hanging down and blood dripping off the axe. It yeah. is so metal. It is mm-hmm. so hardcore. I love it. I I hate. That I am so attracted to the <laughs> person who is so obviously terrible. Yeah. But he sells it, man. He does. His hair is looking better in this episode, too. More of yeah. the classic Lalo slick back mm-hmm. on top.
2: It's because he, I don't know, had time for a shower or something. <laughs> sure. Uh, the other thing I like about the scene is they skip the part where he goes and tracks down the company. Yeah, and I was impressed. I was, and
3: I was glad because that definitely would have, oh, my God, that would have made things feel like they were dragging on so for much sure. more. So now I think that they are just going to skip forward, too. They're not going to, like, I don't think they're going to bother showing us a scene of him, like, torturing a guy for information. I'm pretty sure he's no. just going to be on his way to the next step.
1: Yeah, which is probably the laundry. the next, laundry, in the next
3: like, scene.
2: Right, we know. Uh, okay, the the guys were transported. I think in a laundry van. They mm-hmm. might know that. Hey, it was a laundry. Hey, it's an underground thing um, that they were building. Yeah. So, you know, he might be able to follow Gus to the laundry or something and know. Okay, that's where. It doesn't look like that's where it's happening, but that's where it's happening, and then start snooping around the laundry.
3: Yeah, it, it'll be. It's going to be interesting to see if that is going to pop off in the next episode or if that will be in the second chunk of the, of the season.
2: I almost think it has to, I, I almost think. I, I kind of think the last six episodes should be about Jimmy and Kim. Yeah. Uh, and, and leaving them wherever they're going to be left. Cause that's final, right? Like we don't get yeah, any more about them and breaking bad at all. I
3: was going to say, yeah. Um, Gus's story continues. So right. all we really need to know kind of is where Lalo's story uh-huh. is going to end.
2: Yeah. And I'm not like super invested because I know Lalo doesn't show back up. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't need to like be blown away by the ending of that, but mm-hmm. I, I do need it to be dealt with enough or dealt with it efficiently enough that we can spend a lot of time on Jimmy and Kim. Cause I think that's where my heart is. That's where I really want to see a lot of work in the final six episodes.
3: That's where, yeah, in terms of emotional investment, now that we don't have Nacho anymore, I, I also am a, a little less invested in the cartel side of the storyline. Yeah. Even with Mike and him being adorable with his family, all that stuff. I'm, I'm here for that still, but definitely I need to see the resolution.
2: I mean, there's nobody else to him. root for, right? We know Gus survives. We yeah. know Mike survives. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way any of the the people on Gus's operation can have any harm come to them Victor survives uh, Tyrus survives like everybody is in Breaking Bad so the only person here who can come to an end is Lalo I I don't want them I don't want this to be just like oh a footnote after Nacho's death but yeah it's sort of how it feels because that was the thing like the stakes were there with Nacho I don't feel those stakes with Lalo because he's the bad guy.
3: It's true. It is true. But it will be interesting still to see how the Super Lab got from the state it's in right now to being like shiny and finished, basically, by Breaking Bad.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think there are like three years between now and Breaking Bad.
3: Yeah, I guess that's plenty of time. Um,
2: The other thing, I guess, is Lalo could reintersect. And we were talking about this a little bit. On the the Pete Peppers stream I did mm-hmm. last night, mm-hmm. he could reintersect with Kim and Jimmy, because um, potentially Jimmy finds out that Lalo's alive, right? And that's kind of the last he knows of him, mm-hmm. uh, which would lead to that statement of Breaking Bad, like "Hey, did Lalo send you or whatever? Uh, Tell Lalo it wasn't me, whatever." Um, so he could intersect with Kim. Again, because we know Mike has guys on Kim, right? And Lalo knows Kim, mm-hmm. and Lalo thinks Jimmy was involved in whatever happened in the desert, and he was. Yep. Um. So he could come back to Jimmy, but the path he seems to be on is straight to the to the super lab.
3: Gus. Yeah. He. It seems like he is really just focused on Gus at this point. Yeah. I think Jimmy's fairly safe from him. Yeah, we'll see. We will see, dear God. So after, ugh, after all this shit in Germany, we go back to Jimmy's office where Francesca is freaking out because Jimmy's making her do something just a little bit shady. Nothing yeah. compared to stuff in the future, but <laughs> right. <laughs> this is getting where it all the starts. money out of
2: his wall, shredding all his documents. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it it start, man, boy. She is just gonna get ground down. You see the guy put a cigarette out on the couch. <laughs> Yes. you'd see um, the water feature and I, I love it because on second watch I noticed when she runs into Saul's office and she's like hey I gotta talk to you
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, the, you can see the guy he's like passing papers just sign these and the guy's like looking over at the water feature and he's all antsy like he's gotta go to the bathroom <laughs>
3: oh, amazing I yeah. didn't even notice that he was antsy I, I did notice that he was ob- very clearly drunk
2: Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I,
3: yeah, I think, that. I think bro came straight from the bar.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: The office. And he's like, Oh, we we'll get you, we'll get you back to the rusty bucket in no time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of really funny stuff here, like having a sidebar in the law library, which is just <laughs> the, back the exit alley. to the alley by yeah. the dumpster where, yeah. did you see the toilet that used I did, to be in the I did. Yeah, office there? Yeah. What a
3: waste of a good toilet. Right. Shine that thing up. It'll, it'll still take poop. It'll still it'll it'll take your poops and your peeps.
2: Sure. Yeah. Dude, what what was the what was the season one thing with the squatty potty? Was that? No, there wasn't a squatty potty. It was this horrible thing, like Mr. Pooper or something. Do you not remember <laughs> season one where this like weird pervert guy called him up to do to do some law for him and had this toilet that like spoke to you when you used it and reassured you that you like were a I'm good a boy right now i
3: don't remember this at all oh god <laughs>
2: people will remember this it was scarring it was scarring
3: clearly uh maybe that's why i don't remember maybe i blocked it from my mind yeah it was so upsetting francesca's whole demeanor while she's making this phone call is so adorably and sadly uncomfortable she mm. so clearly uncomfortable yeah i have so much sympathy for her in this part of the scene
2: yeah, and yet yeah, she sticks with it.
3: She does, because the money's good. It's the same yeah. reason everybody's sticking with Jimmy, basically.
2: And he's probably going to boil her like a frog, I assume. Yeah. Like, each request will get more and more outlandish and illegal
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: until she gets where she is.
3: Yeah, maybe she just demands a bonus every time.
2: Yeah. The other thing I, I noticed, you know, talking about the demeanors of characters... Saul has never been more Saul yeah. than this scene. This oh, yeah. is the Saul that you see in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, sure. fr- from the look, I mean, he's got the classic haircut, right? Like, mm-hmm. when I see him, I see Saul Goodman yeah. from Breaking Bad. Absolutely. The haircut, the attitude, the loafers, <laughs> all of it. The drawer full of cell phones is now yes. a thing. Yep. yep. Uh, burner phones.
3: We have never been closer to Saul. I mean... At least in the way that he's speaking to Francesca in this scene. Uh He is Saul Goodman. Yeah, That's Saul Goodman.
2: Convincing people to do things that they don't really want to do.
3: And being a little bit shitty about it Uh because they're on his time. It was great. It was
2: amazing to see just Bob Odenkirk slip right back into that character.
3: Yeah. It's like putting on a bright suit.
2: And I couldn't really tell you like, okay, where's the the difference lie between the Saul I've been seeing Mm -hmm. that hasn't been quite Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and that guy—I don't know what it is, but when he turns it on, it's like, yeah, put slipping into an old pair of loafers.
3: <laughs> sure is the the Bluetooth earpiece and everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, it. We have never been closer to Breaking Bad than we are in that moment. This is true. Ah, uh, I didn't get to make my when they come back in someone's adding extra water to the water feature joke <laughs> to be fair it wasn't it's very good refilling it's refilling it, the water man. feature with his own brand <laughs> his own brew
2: he's <laughs> just stopped and then he turns around he's <laughs> like wait no don't stop <laughs> finish Continue. what you're doing yeah yes
3: disgusting mm-hmm. oh and yes Francesca's reaction to him telling her to clean up the piss is <laughs> is straight up Breaking Bad, Francesca. Clean it up yourself. Yeah. Do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Slam. Yep. So sad. Uh, in the next scene, we are following Mike to the Superlab surveillance room, where Tyrus questions his manpower priorities.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: Dude wants to protect his family. Of course he does. I get it. I get it, too.
2: Yeah, I also get Tyrus's point of view here, because... Um, they're trying to catch Lalo, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the point is not to keep people safe. The point is to find Lalo it is. so they can kill him. And if Mike takes the guys off his house, I mean, they're they're far more likely to go to Mike's house, uh, Lalo is, than to go to his family's house. he doesn't even really know who Mike is, let alone right. where his family might live. Of course. So I get what he's saying. At the same time, Mike is Mike and he's going to keep his family safe at all costs.
3: That's it ends up being. I think we're already at that point. That's all he cares about. Yeah. Especially now that he's lost Nacho, mm-hmm. he he has his family. That's it. Yeah. Is so anything else that we want to point out about this scene, other than just how adorable it is that they're like stargazing from a distance with each oh, other? Yeah,
2: that part of it I like That's it. Very sweet. Um. It is, and I I could see why, you know, some people might be impatient with this scene because it doesn't really add much of anything to Mike. We know he cares about his family. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a nice little quiet moment before presumably things are going to really pop off uh, next episode for Mike.
3: Even in the next scene, we are immediately, or not immediately, but in the second part of the next scene, uh, things are super tense. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. It's nice to have a little breather, a little Mike time. I like Mike. I like him as a character. He's, yeah. you know, morally gray, just like everybody basically on this show, but he seems to have a good heart at least mm-hmm. for what for what that counts, whatever that counts for.
2: And I like that they're stargazing and he's viewing them through binoculars like yeah. they are the stars uh. to him. <laughs> and <laughs> and Kaylee is his gas giant. Uh.
3: <laughs> that's
2: not very nice,
3: <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of guess,
2: yeah, it's pretty good. He's telling him he's in Chattanooga, um, <laughs> which I don't think I don't places. think he's on the state line <laughs> between Tennessee <laughs> and New Mexico here, but I could be wrong.
3: Amazing. The country shrank so much.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: All right, let's do this. Let's do this final scene. We are cutting to Kim and Jimmy finalizing their plans and sharing a drink at quote unquote Omaha Beach. Next morning, Jimmy goes to pick up another bottle of Zafiro to celebrate, but discovers that their judge is looking a little different these days, and calls Kim in a in a tizzy.
2: Boy, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. First and foremost, the most important thing that happens in these scenes <laughs> mm-hmm. is why the hell are two extremely busy lawyers doing their own dishes by hand? <laughs> the fuck, especially when you see that he is doing the dishes not a foot from a dishwasher. A dishwasher. You don't have time for this. You're planning D-Day.
3: Yeah, it is. Why? I'm with you. Why? Are you trying right? to have a moment of domesticity before everything explodes? I don't or think you... Winston
2: Churchill was doing his own fucking dishes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that much about <laughs> the war, but probably not.
3: Probably not. Doesn't strike me as a dishwashing dish kind of man. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that was my big bugaboo in this scene.
3: I like hearing how the the bottle stopper for Zafiro is sharp.
2: Yeah, when he's trying to buy a bottle. Um, Before we get there, they talk about Omaha Beach. Yes. uh, And that turns out to be HHM. Mm -hmm. They go Um, for a
3: drink at Omaha Beach.
2: Omaha Beach being... I think where they landed on D-Day, one of the places they landed on D-Day, yeah. um, things didn't exactly go to plan
1: mm-hmm.
2: with with that whole operation, but they got the job done. Um, so I think that that is kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with their plan for Howard. It's not going to go quite to plan, but they will get the job done.
3: It's going to work well enough. Okay. Yeah.
2: And then they might have to suffer some wrath from Howard in the next chunk of episodes before we finish this series, but who knows?
3: How ballsy of them to just go to the HHM building at night, just like, you know there's cameras everywhere probably and just have a drink right in the right in the next to the parking lot of the man they're trying to fuck over. Oof.
2: Yeah, it feels a little uh, like running a victory lap before you've actually finished like you know those videos where you see the (laughs) guy on the bike Mm
1: -hmm. approaching
2: the finish line of a of a huge biathlon or something and throwing his hands up and like half pedaling and then somebody zooms past him and beats him yes yep that's what they're risking here i'm
3: i'm right there with you that was the exact feeling i had when i saw that this was omaha beach wow you you ballsy fuckers
2: yeah uh and they're, they're setting out the beach blanket, right? To have their little <laughs> party on. It's ridiculous. Here's here's the thing that I didn't think about the first time through. And it was brought up in the stream last night. How is it that Howard has a PI following them full time mm-hmm. and doesn't catch them here and doesn't catch them taking the fake photos of the judge and Jimmy together outside his office?
3: Those are good questions. Maybe they...
2: Because he did catch them at the bank.
3: yeah. That, that leads me to think, I mean, one, that they absolutely know that they're being followed. And two, they know exactly what the car looks like, so they know when he is and isn't around.
2: Okay, could be. I, I have heard theories that they've actually hired this PI to get mm, hired by Howard, but I have no idea
1: ooh. how
2: they could arrange that. It seems way easier to just arrange yeah. switching the envelopes right? Uh, or getting these pictures into Howard's hands some other way.
3: That yeah, that that is a big question mark for me. Uh, how exactly is he even going to get these pictures? Especially, especially now that we know they're going to have to make new pictures, probably. Yeah,
2: I assume that's what Kim is turning around to go do.
3: In the in the teaser for the next episode, they do have a little bit of frantic what? reshooting happening. Oh so my
2: god! Oh, spoilers! Spoil that a
3: little bit for you. Hmm? Sorry, <laughs> everybody I mean, I, else watched them too. Was, yeah,
2: I assumed it was true.
3: Yeah, I mean they have to fix it, otherwise their their plan's going down the pooper. That's uh, not
2: good. I, I didn't want to get too far ahead with the Zafira Sorry. stuff. Yeah. Um, so so we find out, you know, with the Francesca stuff, that his plan is to call into the mediation call. Mm-hmm. And I think like I like I said, the judge is going to be there, and Howard's going to have these photos of him taking a bribe, and he's going to make a big scene, and he'll be wrong, and he'll look crazy, and he will literally look crazy with his eyes dilated and,
3: and skin sweating, and, sweating and shaking.
2: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, How- Howard's going to look like a madman to cliff again.
3: If they can get the drug to him.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and all the clients are going to hear this. I mean, that's, that's the big thing is yeah. like, it's one thing to say, okay, cliff is going to push these clients to settle mm-hmm. sooner, but they seemed pretty against that idea. Right. And Howard was yeah. trying to talk them, or no, they they seem pretty the, with it, I guess. Some of them.
3: Some of them were Howard like, oh, I'm going to die it. soon. And Howard was trying to get them to hold out. Yeah.
2: But if they think, oh, our lawyer is a coked up madman <laughs> and, and he's accusing judges and he's like, sounds all crazy, then yeah, they probably will push to just get this thing done.
3: Yeah. Could not possibly throw more doubt on the whole situation. Yeah. Than like this.
2: It's turning everybody against Howard and against the, the lawsuit at that point.
3: Yep. Um,
2: the other thing, uh, I felt like when Jimmy's in this liquor store that this was a huge coincidence that he runs into this guy. And they lampshade it by saying, well, it's better that I saw him than us showing up with these pictures that don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, Did that bother you? It it bothered me a little bit.
3: I Although know I that think
2: you. he, his office is close to the courthouse and maybe this liquor store is close to his office and so mm-hmm. it's close to the courthouse and this judge just comes by for his morning bottle. I, <laughs>
3: I don't know.
2: <laughs> maybe he's buying a gift for another lawyer. Maybe,
3: I, yeah. It seems like who it's knows. a slim bottle, like it's wine or something.
2: But it just it seemed like a big coincidence to me.
3: Yeah, I know that... You in particular have a big bugaboo when it comes to the plot being driven by the plot as opposed to character action. And this did very much feel like that, that I'll I'll give them a pass because they don't, they just don't do this very often at all. These things that just happen by coincidence Mm -hmm. and throw a whole, a spanner into the works.
2: Yeah, but it when, is weird. when you tally it up, though, with the idea that like the PI probably should have seen them taking these fake photos and camping out on Omaha Beach, mm-hmm. I, I start to go like, oh, maybe this is a little creakier than they meant it to be. <laughs> but I yeah. don't have all the information yet either. I don't know if this right. PI is working with Jim and Kimmy, Jimmy and Kim, uh, or, or what the real situation is there. So I'm willing yeah. to give them you a know, pass for the week and see... What happens?
3: I do. I really like the idea of them somehow having been able to orchestrate Howard hiring this PI specifically. Yeah. I mm, might need them to show a little bit of that, like mm-hmm. how, the, how the hell that happened, but it's a good theory. I like it. Picasso.
2: And then the very last part of this is when Kim decides to miss her meeting to make this scheme work. She is choosing. <gasps> a scam over her career.
3: She is in a big way. And then she's going to have to she's going to have to explain that to Cliff. Uh-huh. But I guess not before shit goes down. So it doesn't matter, I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, she's definitely made it's a awkward. choice. Yeah. She's she does not care if she tanks the deal to become like the biggest a uh, public defender in all of albuquerque right or new mexico or however large the the area is
3: she's choosing jimmy and the money over that i'm sure in the back of her mind she is thinking that with the money she can still salvage the situation maybe she won't have the backing of this big group but yeah. she'll still be able to scramble and put something together together herself
2: yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> point.
3: Debatable, maybe uh, depending on what happens in the next. Yeah. Seven hours of television, but
1: who knows? We'll yeah,
3: see. I sure as hell don't.
2: But I like this one paired with uh, the the opening scene. Yeah. Of her as a kid, because it it sheds a lot of light on who she is.
3: It's a nice bookend. Oh, all about Kim. It's all about Kim at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, we know who
1: Saul becomes, who Jimmy becomes.
3: Oh, my God. I keep seeing memes that are like, I'm more worried about Kim Wexler than I am about my own friends and family. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sure.
3: Same. (laughs) Uh
1: Uh-huh.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm feeling it. But that is the last bit of the scene. She is making a huge, messy U-turn into a huge, messy situation Mm -hmm. that she's going to try to fix.
2: I can't wait to see what happens next. Me either. We're just under a month to go until
0: Badass Fest 6. Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our
2: hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com live. No hints
0: about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd-pleaser.
2: Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening
0: Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com live.
2: And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid Bald Move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and
0: side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com live. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video.
2: The Boys Season 4 gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. A lot's happened since last season. Two whole years, a labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off.
0: Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the Boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find
2: a way to make things work? come laugh cry and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves of this season of the boys find it by searching for the department of homelander security wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe to ball move pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi fantasy and super heroic entertainment
0: Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move.
2: The first of the summer shows to hit our calendar begins next week, so it's time for us to talk about The Boys. Join us for the Season 4 preview podcast this Thursday to see if The Boys can continue to delight and disgust. This is
0: normally where we tell you about what's going on with the latest Prestige podcast. Unfortunately, due to the very hectic nature of our summer lineup, we decided to move Prestige to an every other week release schedule. That means no Prestige podcast this week. We'll be back with more Prestige covered soon. Don't forget
2: about the bear. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Alright, let's get to some feedback. We have quite a bit of it. Let's do it. Uh, again, apologies to people who I did not read their emails because, like I said, we got a lot. Uh, if you'd like to send emails, you can do so at bcs at baldmove.com. Stands for Better Call Saul. Not Bacon Canada Switch.
3: Or Beneath useless guys.
2: Definitely not that. Nope. Uh, first up is Julie. says, And these are going to be some some things from last week before we get to the meat of this this week's discussion Julie says there seems to be a discussion about whether or not Lalo makes it out of Better Call Saul but in my head he has to die and I had a lot of people write in and mm. talk about this because I said like I thought I was in the minority on this but yeah Lalo probably dies um, she says it's been a minute since I did a rewatch of Breaking Bad but I'm nearly certain that in Gus's soliloquy to Hector before they both get blown the fuck up <laughs> Gus says something to the effect of your whole family is dead Mm. Yeah, like you're the last of last of your line, last of the Salamanca, something like that. Yeah. Which I take to include Lalo Salamanca. And with Gus being Gus, of course, Jimmy wouldn't know that when he's in the desert with Walt and Jesse because Mike did his Mike thing and no one knows that Lalo is buried in the super lab, probably. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Like, if Gus believes that the Salamancas are gone, I believe gone. the they're Salamancas gone. are gone. Absolutely,
3: yeah. That's a man who crosses his eyes and dots his teeth.
2: Yeah, so it's Pretty sure that Lalo is dead. All right, Matt E says, one of the puzzle pieces we do have as Breaking Bad viewers is, at some point, Hector ends up living with Tuco on some farm, think in (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mexico, while obviously ending up back at Casa Tranquila, thinking uh, himself alone. We also know that Mike and thus presumably Gus don't know about the Disappearer. This may be answered by the end of BCS uh, 606. It was not. 607, maybe. But it's possible that Lalo or Kim, for that matter, might be disappeared during Breaking Bad. I don't know if Tuco is confirmed to be returning, but we still have those several huge threads left hanging on top of the Gene stuff. Uh, Yeah, those are some of the dots we need to connect to Breaking Bad. Uh, They still have plenty of time on that. I assume if we see a Tuco, it'll probably be right at the very end. I don't think there's much for Tuco to do.
3: No, because past a certain point, he is so high on his own supply that he's incoherent, basically. Yeah. It's so... It's a beautiful contrast seeing Tuco in, like, earlier... The earlier season of Better Call Saul versus where he is in Breaking Bad is a completely different person.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, And, you know, all they need to do with Tuco is show a shot of him getting out of jail. And boom, like, Breaking Bad is set up, right? I don't need this is how he got in back into the meth business. This is how he set up in Albuquerque with the thing and how how he got Hector out to the Mm -hmm. farm or whatever. I don't really need all that. Nah. All right. Scotty also thinks Lalo's dead for similar reasons as above. And then says, I agree with the idea that Lalo is buried under the super lab, though there's a bit of a plot hole there because the DEA would have surely found human remains under the burned out super lab in breaking bad. Uh, they examined that thing thoroughly inside and out, and they clearly would have sonared the floor and found a skeleton, but that'll allow the villa gang uh you might be right. you might be right i I don't remember how that all goes down exactly. I know the super lab uh is no more mm-hmm. again, I know they the cops and everything crawl all over it and find everything with the super lab, but I don't know if uh, those of there's a f- bunch of bones coming up to the surface.
3: Buried him deep. Buried maybe. him deep. This is Gustavo we're talking about. Six feet? No, no, sir. 36 feet.
2: Yeah, maybe he's Minimum. not. Maybe he's like sprinkled under there as bone oh, powder. Oh, I can see Gus doing something like that.
3: <gasps> the spice girls.
2: Oh, Lalo is the spice. Lalo is the spice. Oh, no. <laughs>
3: spice is Lalo's life. No, I hope not. <laughs>
2: What what does Lyle have to say about that? Hmm.
1: Mm.
2: All right. Steve says Lalo showed some surprising humanity in not shooting Margarita. I expected Lalo to double tap her in the head as she entered the library and she has to know she didn't open that window so that someone was intruding in her house. Does she think it was Lalo? Who knows? Uh, Yes. And that's like I guess one of the redeeming qualities of Lalo, right, is that he's not killing this, everybody indiscriminately. He's killing the people he needs to kill.
3: He's not killing everybody, right. just some of the buddies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I'm i looking at it uh, much less, <laughs> what, what's the word? Charitably. Charitably. I, he just didn't want to leave a trail. He had, he had shit yeah. to do still. He wanted to get his shit done and not have... Cops, German cops coming after him.
2: True. He does put himself in a lot hotter water if he does that.
3: Yeah. Where whereas in the middle of the woods, you can chop a guy's foot off and then we, who's gonna know? Who's gonna know?
2: No one. I've seen dark. <laughs> uh, all right, Charlie says, I'm sure others have mentioned it already, but Gus is freak out in episode five. You remember the thing where he's like talking about spice curls and he walks out into the parking lot Mm -hmm. and he's looking around. No one's there.
1: Yeah.
3: Spidey senses. Uh,
2: Is him making the connection that Lalo is in Germany? He mentions the spice curls to the customer.
3: Yeah. I saw something about this.
2: Spice curls that he introduced at Madrigal and figures out where he must be. That makes sense.
3: It makes sense. It feels very tenuous to me.
2: It's like very subtle. It's incredibly subtle. I did not notice it.
3: Yeah, I, I can see it now that it has been pointed out to me. Yeah. Still feels a little bit crazy to me. But sure, I guess he has the kind of mind that could make that leap.
2: I suppose. Like, he's just been, his mind's probably been running over and over and over. Like, where, where is my loose end? Where is the thread that he's going to pull on that's going to unravel my entire operation?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he just hadn't thought about the Spice Girls, he hadn't thought about the Super Lab and the. Magical and all that
3: well he doesn't it's not like he knows about the the gift that the boys sent to Ziegler's widow
2: no but he knows those guys are out there right
3: yeah, yeah.
2: they're out there to be spoken to if
3: they live somehow still.
2: Lalo can right. connect those dots
3: and they are the loose ends
2: yeah and Ziegler's wife because he knows he spoke to Ziegler at some point mm-hmm. and like that whole thing went bad so it does make sense it does all right, Josh H says it looks like Francesca got her say in regard to decorating Saul's office <laughs> but we know that during the Breaking Bad timeline Saul's office looks very very different the change is so, dra- so drastic that it seems unlikely that the new decor is due solely to Saul's creativity or personal taste does that mean there's some sort of firebomb or shoot 'em up that happens at Saul's office is there going to be some sort of violent event that requires a full remodel Hmm. I don't know I feel like I wonder if it's Kim because Kim's been advising him on a lot of things. Yeah. I wonder if Kim comes in and like, this is all wrong for your clientele or Francesca's just like, you know, I try to do a good thing here. Screw it. Here's what I think you need. <laughs> Here's what I think these people deserve.
3: Right. Yeah. We, we need to know whose fault it is Yeah. that it changes. I, it was interesting to me. Um. I feel like, his office felt a lot smaller in Breaking Bad than it does in this episode. I don't know if that's just because of the darkness of the walls or maybe Mm -hmm. just the angle that they were shooting him at because we mostly just saw him at his desk.
2: Well, let's also remember he puts a giant like, he puts a bunch of columns behind him and and a a concave thing that's going to take up a good chunk of the room. Mm. So I think maybe it is a smaller room because he's Because he's
3: built it out all
2: this facade.
3: Yeah, okay.
2: So you're right. It does look a lot bigger. I felt that too. Gotcha. All right. Navar from Montana says, hello, I've been seeing a lot of complaining about the slow burn of these <laughs> last episodes online. In fact, I'm sure you guys were a little bit, uh, uh will be a little bit upset about another setup episode. However, i like to point out, uh, to point your attention to some previous bald move critiques. Oh boy, <laughs> you're throwing my own words in my face.
3: How dare. I can't
2: stand for this. I can't.
3: <laughs> you're sitting.
2: But I did choose to read this. All right. Breaking Bad. Jim and Aaron seem to be dragging down, or dragged down with season 5A, saying, we aren't sure we need this, uh, we need this after such a solid ending after season four, and then boom, half a season later, one of the greatest shows ever made. Sure. Sure, I was a bit iffy going out. I wanted the show to go out on a high note. Turns out it had it could hit two high notes. Wow. I didn't even know. What range? Uh, Mr. Robot season two, there was some <clears throat> doubt. Uh, slow season four, first half.
3: Boy, uh, really.
2: Boom, half season later, another all-time great. <laughs> <laughs> even your very own admittance on the first episode of this season uh, and podcast said you had a brand new appreciation for this show after binging it and that's true I did I do feel like this this season is fundamentally different though they're going they're doing a long con mm-hmm. which we've never seen them do before
3: yeah not uh, this long
2: not even close to this long it's like two episodes maybe yeah uh, most most often it's one episode and done
3: even even the the stuff with Chuck that was all one episode basically
2: Every stage of it was. From wise, hiring Huel
3: to, to do the drop and everything. Yeah, that was all oh, one episode. Oh, yeah,
2: chicanery stuff.
3: Right, exactly.
2: For sure. Uh, says, I can totally understand the impatience, but remember this team has pulled it off before, and I believe they have earned our trust in being able to do it again. Absolutely. Yes, and that's why you know I'm not too upset. Um, but it, I, I don't know. When you combine... It's tough because mm-hmm. I, I did admittedly miss a couple of things this season that mm-hmm. would connect some dots, make some scenes work even better. Um, but those very slow cold opens with a bunch of setup episodes made me feel like the show was dragging its feet stylistically. Feels uh, a little
3: indulgent. Yeah.
2: Right. And this is this is a different episode. This This is a setup episode for sure, but when you're doing so much character work, mm-hmm. I don't mind that.
3: Yeah. Did we, oh man, I don't even know if, yeah, we did. We mentioned that this was directed by Gus.
2: Uh, Yeah. Giancarlo, Giancarlo yeah. Es- Esposito. I have no idea how to say it.
3: <laughs> I don't either. That just feels so wrong to me. <laughs> right. What little knowledge I have of the Spanish language.
2: Uh, Next up is Robert R.R., R says, do you think Jimmy knows about Kim and her mother and how they used to scam people? I don't think so.
3: I bet Kim has never talked about her childhood to anybody. She doesn't even have pictures in her apartment of any of her family or friends or anything. Oh, you're
2: right. Yeah, the only thing that we've got an insight into is when she talks to Schweikert.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: I think that one time when they're interviewing her.
3: the one time she said she's in, she's from a tiny she town, the border. Up,
2: yeah, and there was no future there, and so she left. Yeah. Um, that's like all the insight we had,
1: mm-hmm. except
2: for these two flashbacks. Yep. So I And yeah, she's very... I, I don't think either of them ask many questions about their pasts. Yeah. Like she probably doesn't know a ton about Chuck and Jimmy's past either.
3: Probably not. Just what little... Jimmy has told her he does. Jimmy does have moments where he can't shut up about stuff every yeah. once in a while so I, I feel like she may know a little bit more about his childhood than he knows about hers I would Probably. say he knows next to nothing about hers
1: mm-hmm.
2: alright Jim writes in and says amazing am. podcast you guys are both incredible awesome podcast hosts and this is my favorite show
3: oh it's Jim Jones I see no. So there. <laughs> yeah.
2: No. Another Jim <laughs> writes in and says, "Hey guys, I meant to email in last week, but simply ran out of time." Uh, in black and blue, after Cliff confronts Howard, we get that great close-up shot of Howard's namaste plate. <laughs> One thing I noticed was the expiration date on the plate is December 2005. I'm not sure how New Mexico plates uh, New Mexico operates, but most states make you renew your registration every year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If that's true in New Mexico, then we know this season is taking place sometime in 2005. Um, this is one year later than resident lawyer Doug suggests, but three years on a class action suit still isn't that long. I digress. We know breaking bad season one takes place in September of 2008. So that means there is nearly three years that needs to be covered or explained in seven more episodes. My thought is that in the next episode, we will finally see what turns Jimmy into the Saul we know in breaking bad. The one that tells Jesse and Walt to kill badger for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, Whatever it is, I think we will pick up the latter half of the season, a year or two, maybe even three in the future, maybe with a classic Better Call Saul montage explaining the time lapse. How else do you think they can fit nearly three years and half a season?
3: Do they even need to?
2: That was kind of my thought, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure they do.
3: I don't know that we need to be brought right up to the moment that Breaking Bad begins, I think we can make some logical leaps and say, this is yeah. where we leave these characters. They're going to be just living their normal lives up yep. until Walt breaks bad.
2: And that's the key, right? They need to settle all business yeah, and put them in places where we believe they could just keep on a treadmill exactly. for three years grind, until Walt put them happens. them on their
3: grind. Yep.
2: Yeah. So I'm I'm cool with that. Um I think it's gonna be really hard to do that with Gus. Like really, really hard because mm. he's in the middle of a cartel war still in Breaking Bad. Like when we pick yeah. up with him, he's executing Juan Bolsa that's, Like yeah. or having the authorities raid Juan Bolsa and kill him. Like mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to put on a back burner for three years.
1: Mm. Well that kind of
2: throws
3: think. that kind of throws a monkey wrench into your idea that Gus's stuff is going to be wrapped up in the next episode. Yeah. If they have stuff to explain, then they might still be having to go back and forth.
2: I, I think Lala will be dealt with. Yeah. In the, the next episode. I think, I, I think I I'm think i with you on that one. But Gus will still have to have to get into place for Breaking Bad. Um, like we need to deal with the fallout of Nacho's stuff because I don't mm-hmm. believe that Hector is is content with where things are Yeah,
3: at. that's the thing. Even if even if he takes care of Lalo in the next episode, Hector is still a factor, and he still has yeah. everyone that can work for him.
2: Right. You got the cousins. You got
3: yeah. Uh, people. Still have the doubt with Juan so,
2: I, I Um I don't know. I really don't think they need to deal with three years, but they do need to get the pieces in place.
3: For sure, yeah.
2: All right. James writes in and says, I wrote an email a few weeks ago that was likely long and disjointed. And I was writing in bits while at work. Anyway, I was talking about embracing the slow pace and overindulgence of better call Saul. Here we go. However, after these last three episodes, (laughs) I need to walk that back a bit. There's a fine line between dramatic tension and confusion or frustration. I feel that better call Saul has passed the threshold here. I don't quite understand why we aren't cluing, why they aren't cluing us in more on the plot to get Howard. Like all of the initial scams were meant to put Howard on alert and hire a PI. Okay. So they wanted to get caught all along. Why not advance the plot sooner by telling us this and then doing those things off camera? It's like, oh, so when I worried about Jimmy getting caught, he wanted to be caught, but not caught yet. Mm -hmm. I think there's also an issue here where the entire plan revolves too much around Howard's reactions. So it seems a bit contrived to me, like oh, so you needed him to hire a PI and you needed this PI to catch you doing one specific thing. That's super convenient that exactly all of those things happened.
1: Um, they did
3: mention that the timing had to be perfect early on. The timing had to be perfect. It had to be a slow burn and everything had to be just right. So you're right. I, they kind of warned us beforehand, I feel.
1: Uh, true. <laughs> that true. it was
3: going to be a little bit of a slow burn right up until it isn't.
2: I mean, it sounds like me and James both have uh, uh, little (laughs) hitches with this plan, right? With the judge happening to show up. The judge thing is maybe
3: my my least favorite part of the whole thing.
2: Yeah. So I understand not uh, having this not sit right with you for sure. Absolutely. Because it is like a lot of these things need to happen exactly so. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it doesn't go off at all um, or they end up in trouble. So you're right about that. It is all a bit contrived, but I think if the payoff is good enough, I'm going to forgive all that.
3: Absolutely. I I'm already I'm weak. I'm already half forgiving them.
2: <laughs> I'm right like like I said, you know, next episode they could come out with, "Oh, the PI was hired by Kim and Jimmy."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they and they tell us everything we need to know that answers all those questions. We'll see. I don't really expect that to happen, but if it does, it would make everything a lot easier to swallow. Yeah, that's fair. Um, then Norm also has some issues with another setup episode. He says another setup episode. I don't think I could take it. (laughs) All this makes me think, how does this all make sense? That little vignette to start showing Kim, uh, a little vignette to start showing Kim getting away with a slap on the wrist. Doesn't take away five seasons of her playing by the rules and her giving up on this opportunity provided by Clifford Maine. It doesn't ring true, and the longer we delay things, the more that sets in. Mr. H.O. Ward doesn't deserve this, and the more the buildup, the more it can't work. And on top of that, I can't get over how Mike seemed to sense that Gus had some moral code or was different than other criminals in Breaking Bad, but there's no way he can think he's anything else but a calculating killer after what we see in Better Call Saul. Thankfully, the Better Call Saul Brain Trust has a track record of making this sort of thing work, so I'm hopeful in the short term, but I'm extremely dubious in the long term. I hope I won't dread a Breaking Bad rewatch. Well, let me say right now, there's nothing they can do in this show (laughs) to take away from Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is excellent. It's its own thing. it, It can be viewed as its own thing. I never think the prequels or sequels can destroy the original thing, yeah. it's why I still like Star
3: Wars <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, It's why we all still like Star Wars, yeah, sorry, I sorry, I know that is a controversial statement the the younger people appreciate the oh, prequels sure.
2: yeah the the prequels are the prequels are the prequels I like
3: I think it's just exactly and one and above of those prequels that are
2: I'll let <laughs> still you,
3: salty <laughs> I'll let
2: you decide which one you like yeah. one
3: one of the prequels Uh-huh. Oh, you can't let I no, you have to tell me which one.
2: You can take your guesses right to BCS <sighs> at dot Which That's
3: completely unrelated. Topic?
2: Does Jim love? <laughs> and I didn't say love. Let's oh, set the record okay. straight. I accidentally said love there. Like. To tolerate? Tolerate. Anyway.
3: Is there any are there any of them that don't have Jar Jar Banks?
2: Uh yep. No. Nah. mm, mm. as a major
3: character yes i think so
2: that's true anyway so yeah i I get where you're coming from right they are adding to characters legacies and i think the more you add to a character the more you risk confusing that character um
3: or breaking the canon yeah
2: yeah so i i get it um dude
3: it does kind of feel like rare Walking that line a tiny bit with Gus sometimes, yeah. Like you were mentioning before, the relationship between Gus and Mike, he's he's doing he's doing a lot of cold hearted cutthroat stuff, and Mike is still standing by him here.
2: It's exactly what Norm's saying, like, exactly. Yeah, you can't have Mike be shocked too much by the box cutter episode, yeah. Although it might be different, right? I don't think we've ever seen Gus really take out his own guys. And that could be still the context we need to understand. Okay. This is different.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, this is Mike seeing Gus At do something that, that is uncalled for. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. It's risky for sure. Yeah. And then finally uh therapist, Tom from Atlanta. Says my friends, it's been a minute since I wrote, but it's I read my friends like Zoidberg, <laughs> been watching too much Futurama. <laughs>
1: friends, it's been,
2: <laughs> it's been a minute. Wait, since. let me
3: friends <laughs> I'm waving my fingers in front of my face.
2: <laughs> it's been a minute since I wrote in, but it's your resident therapist Tom from Atlanta. I've been wanting to do a full case study on Kim for a while, and this flashback gives me a nice excuse to do so. Nice. So I'll try to be short, since my emails are historically way too long. Uh, you failed Tom. I'm sorry to say,
1: <laughs> but, God.
2: but it's good. Cause Real. it is a very interesting email. And I, I, after having sort of come to this realization last night on the stream and then reading your email, I'm like, yes, yes. Somebody, somebody gets it. Um, and now I finally get Kim. Uh, he says the best way I can currently conceptualize Kim is through a lens called adult children of alcoholics or ACOA for short. Mm. What that actually means is a child grew up in an alcoholic or chaotic home will often exhibit specific traits as an adult due to this upbringing. I actually suspected Kim of being one of these before we got to the first flashback of her childhood. One of the number of traits you often see in these people is an incredibly complicated relationship with others who exhibit similarly chaotic traits as their parents. The ACOA is consistently frustrated at these people for their impulsivity, lack of responsibility, and for putting themselves in dangerous situations. However, they also find themselves being drawn to these individuals as well theoretical motivations for this include attempting to fix their parents in ways they couldn't mm-hmm. as a child mm-hmm. attempting to save a younger version of themselves their comfortability in chaos despite hating it the desire for approval from making uh, from a makeshift caregiver and a strong desire to be loved in ways their caregiver didn't have the space for and a deep need for control yeah A.C.O.A.s will generally fall into one of two categories, repeating the patterns of their parents, i.e. becoming addicts themselves, or becoming overly responsible but finding themselves still fraternizing with chaotic individuals. Kim is most certainly the latter.
3: An overcorrector,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, And then he lists a bunch of characteristics of A.C.O.A.s that he thinks apply to Kim. Uh, Lying when it would be easy to tell the truth, or just as easy to tell the truth. Take themselves very seriously. Constantly seek approval and affirmation. Uh, are super responsible or super irresponsible. Okay. Uh, are extremely loyal, even in the face of evidence that the loyalty is undeserved. Yeah. Like her marrying Jimmy after he betrayed her. <laughs> right. Uh, becoming approval seekers. Being terrified of personal criticism. Uh, which is a more subtle one, but almost every time someone has criticized Kim or Jimmy, she shows very strong defense mechanisms and goes on the offense. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. She did that with Chuck. She did that yeah. with Lalo. She did that say, with
3: especially with Jimmy. Especially she overreacts,
1: overreacts. Totally. Uh,
2: becoming alcoholics, marrying them or both, having an overwhelming sense of responsibility, being concerned more with others than themselves. Her pro bono work,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, become addicted to excitement, love people who need rescuing. Jimmy, <laughs> you're always down.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, stuff their feelings. Judge themselves harshly, become terrified of abandonment, become para-alcoholics, that is, people who take on the characteristics of the disease without drinking. Hmm. All this is to say, it seems like pre-Jimmy, Kim had leaned hard into the responsibility route. She was buttoned up, controlled, and responsible. Now that Jimmy, a chaotic parent figure, has entered her orbit, she has sunk further and further into old behaviors of enabling and attention-seeking and a desire for the acceptance, love, belonging, and approval that she did not get as a child. Uh, yeah, man, that sounds exactly like Kim. And when you look at her through that lens of everything we've seen of her mm-hmm. in this series, I think that's it. That's it.
3: Yeah, it's sad. But yeah, I think I think you're right. And a lot of that it. stuff
2: that you're talking about is manifesting has completely illogical, right? Irrational behavior right. on the um, surface. On the surface, but when you le- when you look at her past. And you see how she was raised and you know how people might react to that sort of thing.
3: Yeah. You realize that she has this lens that you didn't know about. Yeah. That is coloring everything.
2: It's like national treasure. <laughs> it's on the back of the oh my Declaration God. of Independence. Oh, don't even
3: talk to me about those friggin' glasses. <laughs> it's, it's, this is relevant to nobody. This is relevant to nobody, but now I'm going to have to say it. Fiddle with the lenses. Whenever you yeah. see that something has like six different lenses, try out different combinations immediately. Right. Immediately.
2: We just did this podcast. So people, it's relevant.
3: Okay. It's still did relevant. Did you complain about this? I did. Uh, okay, good. Thank you. Thanks Absolutely. for being my my white knight.
2: Uh, but that's it. Yeah. I want to thank everybody who wrote in. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, a lot of good emails there. A lot of good conversation to be had, especially about Kim. Mm-hmm. As we round into the final episode of this chunk first half of the last season of the prequel before the show that everybody loves the show
3: that broke television. Yeah. Yeah. Forever Mm -hmm.
2: blasted a wide open a super lab (laughs) with the bones of Lalo underneath
3: spice girls. All
2: right. uh, Yeah. We'll be back obviously for next week's episode. Eh, We just decided not to do it.
3: We're gonna stop here. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna stop here. Here is where we're gonna stop. Mm-hmm. Oh perfect.
2: No, yeah. we'll we'll be back next week. Uh thank you everybody for listening. Until then, I'm Jim.
3: I'm Alexis. See you.